And so a whole life we're conditioned for a plan. So every day we're actually human conditioned for the planning, but we've never made a plan for ourselves. And the minute we can make a plan for ourselves and follow the plan for ourselves, we know that we can get tasks done. That was Ryan Everton. This is Duggett, the podcast. Welcome to Duggett, episode three with Ryan Everton. Uh, pretty, s- I always say stoked. I'm going to use a different superlative today. Pretty happy, super happy, as happy as it gets um, to be putting out Ryan's episode. So we recorded this a few months ago when he was down in Taranaki, and um, he came around for a dinner with some friends the night before and it was uh, interesting. There was all, I think everyone at the dinner table would quit or left their jobs. So this is a warning uh, <laughs> before you get stuck into this podcast. Um, you may want to leave your job after listening to it. Maybe you want to stay, who knows. But uh, Ryan is a bit of a paradigm breaker. He's a self-described performance freak, blogger, entrepreneur. Um, he writes about everything and anything regarding an unconventional life um, some people say he's an idiot some people say he changed their lives for me it's the latter um, he's I was trying to put my finger on it. it kind of feels like the Tony Robbins of of people I know he's a kind of bigger than life guy he's taller than me he's about six foot five strapping bloke and he's got a uh, pretty amazing ability to see kind of the bigger picture. Um, he at one point had a chance to go to Berkeley. Well, he started at Berkeley um, on a pursuit of a law degree. Left left Berkeley, went back to the law degree with Otago, but kind of always saw that it was a bit of a game. Uh, so he's got the strategy of how to get a law degree in 15 minutes, I believe, he talk, we talk about during the podcast, and he's got a little blog post on that, um, so I'll put that in the show notes, but I think it's how to get a law degree in 15 minutes a day. Um, and uh, I guess he kind of realised, would you, which is one of his questions, is would you rather go to a world-class university and get thousands in debt, or B, realise you're already wearing the magic slippers and can do whatever you want? So he, uh, he chose B, and... While uh, courting a young French girl, I managed to get an idea of her to start an eco-kit business which turned into Globlet, um, supplying eco-cups for, I've helped him out actually at one of the festivals, Explore, he's got WOMAD, um, a whole lot of festivals now around New Zealand and uh, I think he's looking overseas as well. And he's into the sustainable business model, um, now looking into coffee cups and just a better way of doing things and kind of breaking those norms, those... He's just out there doing it, man. <laughs> he's, he's, and he's living the dream while he's doing it. He's been traveling all over the world, meeting some fascinating people. He's, uh, he's certainly living an unconventional life and practicing what he preaches. Um, and he's got some really interesting insights from meeting people like Arnold Schwarzenegger's head trainer, John Romello. Um, don't know if I said that right, Romanello, Romanello. Anyway, a guy named John who works with Arnie who's um, looking at physical training for chemical optimization. So um, a big part of Ryan's life is is getting beyond the lizard brain, brain lizard brain, the, the, the monkey mind, um, those kind of default patterns that we go to and, and kind of optimizing himself to be in the best headspace to to do everything he wants to do. Um, that's different for everyone, but I think we've all got that monkey mind, that lowest common denominator, and uh, and and having those uh, skills and tools and strategies to get beyond that is, is of amazing value. So he seems to have this kind of, I guess, contagious energy and... Uh, and bigger than life postponer and um and he's he's a inspirational dude to be around um and a man of action 
and uh, and one of the catalysts for getting this podcast moving too. He's a big proponent of small steps taken every day. One of his practices is to write a thousand words every day, knowing that that would be um, at the end of the year 365,000 words or, you know, a novel or, or a few. Um, and, uh, and so he's helped me kind of just view the podcast as as just another thing to, to tick off each week and just to set aside that time and it's something I want to do. So making sure you do do those things that kind of make you happy and, and keep you going. So uh, it's with great pleasure that I uh, bring you Ryan today. Just one note, um, this I think this was the first podcast I did using my new mic. So, oh, well, no, it might have been the second Either way, I didn't quite have Ryan maybe close enough to the mic, so I apologise if it gets a bit quiet. Um, we'll probably have to get him back on at some stage, so uh, I'll have a... I'll, I should have nailed all the technical uh, difficulties by then, but I um, uh, hope you enjoy the talk, and uh, without further ado, here is Ryan Everton. Enjoy. to the podcast Ryan we talked about it (laughs) got there in the end nice to have you in Taranaki you got a I think it'd be cool to have all plant powered products it's nice to have a chat over a cup of tea there's almond milk bell tea but it'd be cool to have green smoothies and uh, juices and different products to have during the podcast you know but yeah today it's the almond milk cup of tea so yeah it's good I haven't actually had a bell tea in a very long time. Not, he's still a bit quiet, I think. You might need to come a touch closer to that. But yeah, bell's bell's my, uh, it's one of the go-tos. I think that looks, looks good. Cool, so how's the Taranaki trip been so far? Um, It's been good. I went and saw my mate Toby, who I originally met in Mexico. And he is building his off-the-grid Animal permaculture slash eco slash tourism retreat with his off the grid house. Um, it was interesting because you helped inspire him. I met Toby. Toby started on that. Yeah, Toby was making like I think a couple hundred grand doing surveying. I was wondering why he wasn't happy. He quit his job and then went skiing in Whistler, and then he got he finished in Whistler, spent a bit of money, and then he flew into Mexico and he was going to go backpacking like most people do. Drinking most nights, backpacking during the day, looking at cathedrals. And then I, he randomly saw me at the Mexico City airport. Oh, did you, did you know each other before that? No, no, no. He no. saw my, um, he saw my uh, swan drive. I might have to get that. Where is that out there? Oh, no. It's all good. Someone's got it. That, oh, um, so he saw you. He saw my so swan drive sitting outside of my backpack and he's like, oh, you're from New Zealand. And then we ended up, we were actually flying the same place. And so we sat on the plane together. Oh, well. Called Escondido, which is like the hottest place in Mexico. Like the mm. women end up um, showering three times during the night, and then they go to bed wet, and they put a fan onto them so they cool is down. It's that hot. It's that hot. Oh you, well. You don't get cold in the showers. Yeah. Look warm, and if you get a cut, you're stuffed. And anyway, and then uh, Toby and I started chatting. He ended up um, changing his whole worldview into trying to change the world or change his world. He realised he could go home, set up this place. Yeah have free time and then think of anything he wanted to do. That's cool. So now, yeah, he's doing that. Yeah, because you mentioned in Auckland that a lot of people you'd spoken to had quit their jobs, maybe because of conversation with you or just had a change of plan. And uh, I kind of, I have three, quite a good compliment. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> thing or bad thing. I feel kind of like a lot of people might end up quitting and then end up getting even more lost. <laughs> but, you know, Ferrari says, not until we lost, we find ourselves. Yeah. But, um, no, so I have three questions I usually ask everyone. Ask okay. everyone? Yeah, and the three questions are, one, A, would you prefer to go to a world-class university and get thousands in debt? Or B, realise, as Dorothy realised, that you're already wearing the magic slippers and can do anything you want. You're wearing right. the magic, magic slippers. slippers yeah. And you can do anything you want, like Dorothy did in The Wizard of Oz. And most people say, oh, I would like to take B, but yeah. they end up taking A. And then I say, or... 
second question, would you prefer to, I pay you $100 right now so you can sit for an hour doing nothing in my office? Mm. Or would you prefer that I pay you $1 and you can go out and change someone's life for the better? Yes. And everyone's like, oh, I'll take B, but then they take A. And I say, okay, well, say so you're going to die in a year from now because you, mm. could, you could easily get run over, you could mm. get a disease or anything could happen. Would you be doing what you're going to be doing or would you go do the three most remarkable things you could in your life? Yeah. Most people, we know, I think, listening to that third one, are like, shit, I'm working at a job I don't love and I need to go, I can go do anything I want, there's no barriers to entry. So they end up living. And they quit their job or they quit university or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. 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 I think they're good. I know that was one of the catalysts for me is whenever I think um, just how fleeting life is that it's kind of a good motivator. What do you mean? Well, when you know it's... it's you when like a year can roll past with nothing memorable happening or, you oh, know, yeah, you, you have that, you that point, you're like, well, look, um, you know, what's stopping me from actually just doing something right now or getting on with that thing I really want to do. My right biggest now. thing is, so like Toby, he's been doing his place for six months now. Mm. And I was like, Toby, so we did it this way. Six months ago, we built up a plan and we said, okay, for one hour every day, mm. I'm going to go plant five trees. And so if you have 365 days in a year and you plant five trees, five times three, you work out the mass, you've done a couple thousand trees you planted this year. And how many trees have you planted? And planted 10 trees. <laughs> one thing is, is that if you, you could start to do and do a very marginal amount compounded mm. growth will allow in a six months time that you've actually planted a couple thousand trees it only took you one hour a day so that mm. hour that you sat around you could have planted trees and if you planned out that you need to build your shed at the same time rather than just marginally doing your shed mm. at different parts and messing around so I need to do these a hundred things if I do three of them a day it will take me only three months so you can do your shed in three months, have 2,000 trees planted, and all these other other things you add to the book if you marginalise your time into different periods. And most people won't ever do that. And so Toby gets six months through and he's like, shit, I could have had 2,000 yeah. trees already planted by now and I'm sitting here with only 10 trees planted and my shed only half done, where we planned out a couple hours and it might have only been four hours of the day was planned that you had to plant five trees every day mm. and you had to go build five things on your shed every day. And for in the last six months, he would have probably had his shed completed and had two thousand trees in the in the ground. Yeah, I remember you mentioned the same. Well, even advice for me with the podcast, like what's stopping me from doing it right now? And those people that are out just enjoying, just going out for dinner or doing the things they normally do, and you could be slowly chipping away over a uh, period of time. You know. Yeah, just that little daily sacrifice which is might only be half an hour an hour and what that adds up to but um but the one thing stopping us is planning so our whole life our whole life has been planned that we have breakfast around seven to eight mm-hmm. or whatever it is that after we wake up we have lunch around 12 to two then we have dinner between 5 30 and 10 30 and everything else is planned around that and school was always built on a plan that and you knew what you're going to do all day and it was still the morning and you're doing exactly what every other kid did the, the year before and the teacher knew exactly what she was teaching that day because she might have taught that for the last 10 mm. years. And she got it all from the education system. So you knew every day exactly what you're going to do. And every time you did something you wanted, you were told off so you couldn't do what you wanted. And so a whole life, we're conditioned for a plan. So every day, we're actually human, uh, conditioned for the planning. But we've never made a plan for ourselves. And the minute mm. we can make a plan for ourselves and follow the plan for ourselves, we know that we can get tasks done. If you worked out a plan to be a billionaire, you'd probably be a billionaire if you could build up your plan to be a billionaire and follow that plan. But everyone will, your whole body, your whole mind, everything will try and resist doing a plan because we hate plans because we went to school and we hated school and we never wanted to go do the, what the school So things more like day. conditioning beforehand. And so we're conditioned from one or whatever mm. that we, you know, everyone knows that if you feed your kid, that, you put him in the bed at 7.30 every night and you don't fuck it up that the kid will, or he'll be a better kid, like he'll sleep better, everything mm. else, and the minute you break up his structured day, he'll go a little bit tired, he'll be angry that next day, he'll cry. And so if you can build a structured lifestyle around yourself, plus with free time mixed inside that, so playtime, mm. Toby would have his 2,000 trees done, plus he would have his shed done, plus he would have had free time. Listen to this, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everything would be done. Yeah. And the only thing stopping us is that 
our um, brain will do everything to resist doing a plan. Yeah. Because all we want is free time, and then we realise we get a year done, we're like, oh, there's another year gone. Where if you had a plan, you probably would have got most of your stuff done. It doesn't matter if, if, you, if it was a good plan or a bad plan, or if the thing you were planning for was going to work or not going to work, you still did it. Yeah. And it's called the art of done. You just the art of done. Yeah, the cult yeah. of done. You take it off the box. Yeah, I mean, my goal to start this was to think less and do more or yeah. experience more, and I guess that's kind of maybe the theme of the people that I kind of gravitate towards the people who are doing something. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter if it's big or small, it could be doing a little recycling project or it could be baking beautiful food, but they're actually yeah. or building a big business, but they're actually making it. I think it's cool. But um, what... Because you did, obviously, you had a pretty normal upbringing then and then did law. Mm-hmm. I got, okay, so I got... Because what, what was the catalyst to change? When I was 13, I, I, I never, or like around 12, 13, I remember looking at the paper and it was the Horopreneur Chronicle. Yeah. And it had, once a week, it'd come out with the share market, which was a Tuesday, I think, because the rest of the market opened on a Monday. I asked everyone, what is this, mum and dad? And they're like, oh, I don't know, this means that and that. No one knew anything. And so I yep. started reading up stock market books. And while I was reading them, was, the whole thing is, is about that knowledge is your insurance and your interest. So the more you know, the less risk you ever have against anything because you can then go do it. Yeah. And so I started building up thinking, shit, I don't know anything. And so I ended up trying to learn as much as I could. And the stock market's all about investing in what you like. So you try and read as much as you can about the stuff you like. Mm. You start trying to meet all the people in the places you like. And then you get to the end of the stock market books that, and you realise that the biggest investment you can ever make is an investment in yourself. And there's a 100, 1400% return, any type of return you want because you get to choose what you do all day and you've got more time, energy and anything else than anyone else in the world and you can read any book you want in the world, you can go to any library, you read anything you want on the internet and it all adds to value that you can create. And so knowledge is your insurance and risk and the best investment you can ever Best in is yourself, and the only risk you have is yourself on how much you can learn about something and go do it. So that's how I left 13. I was rowing at the time. I was a little fat kid, and I started rowing full-time. Yeah. Ended up wanting to go to Harvard, because Harvard sent a letter to our school about because uh, the, the New Zealand juniors, and they said, um, can you come over? Yeah, can Ryan apply to do the SATs for Harvard? So I did all yep. these SATs, and they had to do a couple of essays, and my essay for... Harvard was why university was a waste of time. <laughs> and so I ended up not accepting Harvard. I went to Berkeley and I got over to Berkeley and my whole manifesto by this stage was that, that why would you go to university when you can do anything you want and you yeah. should only ever invest in things you want to do. And the yeah. last thing I wanted to do was row. Yeah. You just go backwards every day. And the second and last thing you want to do is um, go to university because you yeah. can do anything you want. And university just is an institution that trains you to be someone that you don't necessarily want to be. Yeah. And so I ended up getting to Berkeley. I stayed there for like less than five days and then I dropped out of universe, uh, Berkeley and went to Otago. You still went to university, yeah. But yeah. Diff- my thing was, was that I was going to, my, I, Berkeley was going to cost $70,000 a year. I yeah. had a $20,000 a year scholarship and I still had 50 grand. I was going to have 200 grand of debt. Yeah. And by that stage, I was like, well, 200 grand of debt, I could have 200 grand of debt and have a house in New Zealand plus do whatever I want to do. Yeah. I can have 200 grand of debt row every single day and be at Berkeley and be doing something I don't want to do every day. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to university because mum and dad wanted me to go to university. And my whole thing has always been that uh, time is marginal. So you get to choose how you spend your time and actually there's a very small amount of time you can put to something to get a maximum result. And so I started working out a structure of how I can get my law degree yeah. with maximum amount of time to do whatever else I wanted to do. Yeah. And that took me a year and a half to work out how to do that. Yeah. And so essentially I have a, I have a blog post that is how do you get a law, law degree in 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And the blog post is that you to get a law degree in 15 minutes you only have to know the smartest law student. Yeah. And you need to know the smartest law student from the year before and law never changes and so you go to the smartest law student and you say can I have your notes because 200 kids do law a year. Yeah. And every kid writes the exact same notes at the exact same lecture whenever they go to a lecture. So you, you no point you go to that lecture and run the exact same thing as everyone else. So you go to the smartest kid who obviously has the best notes and say, oh, can I have your notes? And in exchange, I'll give you the smartest kid from the year before's notes, who's happy to give them because that year's over. 
you give it to the smartest law students. So now you've got two sets of notebooks, two smartest law students. And then you go make a relationship with the professor so the professor knows you and you start testing them on some of the notes and you'll work out exactly what the professor cares about in terms of the exam. Yeah. Because he's only going to want to talk about what's in the exam. We won't care about anything else from the year before. Then work out what in the notes is worth we're focusing on and then you do pass papers from four years before you do all four pass papers and you you can use your notes and then a week before the exam is all the only time you never need to study for the exam you go into an exam and you've already done the exam with notes that you never went for and then you highlight the cases because the law professor can't be bothered reading all the notes and so he'll go through your exam paper and just read all the highlighted things and if it's a case in the notes he'll give you uh, a so easy so easy <laughs> well it's funny that on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and I talked about um, busyness being a sign of laziness as well, and uh-huh. actually taking a step back. And I think that's one thing I've observed with you is you can kind of take a step back and look at the the bigger problem and be like, well, actually, there's a better better solution here. Or, you know, you don't need to look at the problem the same way as everyone else. Um, yeah, I, I've always been a fan of Mark Twain and one of Mark Twain's photos about when you're in the side of majority, it's time to look back and think. And so yeah. never everyone's like, right now everyone's on a house buzz, so maybe it's time to look back and think. So you're, or, going, you're doing the anti-house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're like, is there something yeah. different to what everyone yeah, else no, is totally. doing in some form of the manner? Or, you know, and so you have to always look at it and then question why, mm. which very few people know, will help, know how to question why because school always taught you not to question just follow their instructions. And so you have to start asking why. And I'm a big fan of Seth Gooden, and Seth Gooden's whole thing is is that, Seth Gooden's a 21st century marketer in the US, and his whole thing is is that um, you'll do everything to avoid doing the work because you just want to be lazy. Mm. And so because you're always avoiding everything, you have to consciousness think about that I'm avoiding doing the work and get my, which Seth calls the lizard brain, and the lizard brain just wants to be horny, average, desperate, mm. angry, and it wants to sit around all day. It wants to run up the hill, get some food, which is go to work nine to five and get some food and then come home at, in the afternoon. Mm. And it'll do everything and it'll try and get meetings because meetings means avoiding doing the work. And so your whole brain wants to just avoid doing the work when if you're, and that's the lizard. And so your whole thing's how do I turn off the lizard brain and start doing the work? Mm. Because that's the actually all the unlived life you'd always want to be doing. Yeah, there's... Yeah, it's weird. I think even you talking about the podcast when I was looking at doing that and how you can distract yourself with everything around it that's not actually doing it. You can yeah. be doing the well, website, I read the other the day notes. that the trick to do it is that you end up asking the question, is this going to help me for what I want to do? Yeah. And straight away you'll say, actually, no, it's not. Yeah. But you have to consciously ask why you're doing something, why you're on Facebook or why you're researching, why you're listening to another podcast. Is this actually helping or not? Yeah, there's a mindful uh, practice mm. and observation there. Um, yeah, had, well, I guess then after university you had, was during university when you had the girlfriend you founded Globelit? Yes, yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I don't know if we actually talked about this, but... That, um, so I'm, I think you I, might have mentioned it to I, me before. If I tell the truth, yeah. I ended up... So a year before I went to a uh, year before I went to Berkeley, yeah, I flew over to visit Berkeley and all these universities yeah. like Stanford, Harvard, Berkeley, and while I was there, I met this American girl, yeah, and then I went back to because the university doesn't start till six months through in America, so I went back and started my law degree in Otago, yeah, and halfway through I thought I, I went to Berkeley, but I ended up packing up with this American girl, yeah. And falling in love and ending up that while I was at Berkeley, I ended up dropping up Berkeley and hanging out with her for a couple of months okay. before I went back and finished yeah. my law degree in Otago. And then anyway, after that, I, we went out for a year and then um, she flew over New Zealand or whatever. And then I met a French girl. Yeah. And the French girl, that was during, during the summer break after um, Berkeley and whatnot, that I, uh, yeah, she, we hanged out during the summer. And then I went back and did law, and while I was doing law, I set up Flipper and Bert Study Road. And she kind of had told you about a similar thing that was in so Europe. Yeah. yeah, she was like, why yeah. is there no uh, reasonable cups at the festivals and whatnot in yeah. New Zealand? So I, th- I think that was quite interesting. I was thinking about it when you told me that. Yeah. And I heard it reiterated different ways by people that 
you know, the ideas are already there. People are already telling you the problems and yeah. it's, it's like you being able to listen and just and yeah. fill that gap. And I was like, some people would say, oh, that's, that's not even your idea. And I'm like, no, that's the beauty of it. It's no, you're aware that, and you know, it's not, ha- you know, exactly. The answer is often easier than there's no ideas original. And, yeah. and if you look at most ideas in the world, it's simultaneous innovation. You know, the plane was invented in New Zealand at the same time. The plane was invented in America. Yeah. And that's the same with Facebook. There's like five other social media groups that started at the same time as Bebo and Facebook and everything. And so yeah. no ideas original. It's yeah. all just a collaboration. It's two ideas coming together and having sex with each other. <laughs> Make a new idea. Facebook was just stalking and, you know, a uh, woman coming to and people coming together and you can now stalk and see people together. That's how Facebook started. It was, you know, out of date. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And I've got this book here, which uh, Steal Like an Artist. Yeah. Um, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative. And I think that's one of the the creative myths is to that you're meant to come up with everything yourself and I think I think the world's a flush with opportunity mm, you know like yeah the abundance of ideas yeah but the um, problem you know there's a great the best book I ever read which was one when I read when I was 15 and I usually give it to people as a gift now and it's, it's called Lucky or Smart and it's written by this technology guru and I can't remember his name and I think it's like Bo Peters or something like that and anyway, everyone used to say to Bo, oh, you're so lucky you made a million dollars out of your tech startup. And Bo's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people would be, oh, God, you must be smart to be able to set up a technology startup like that. And Bo, Bo got so fed up with it that he started to say, I was smart enough to know when I was lucky. And so yeah. the fact is that everyone's lucky, just not everyone's smart enough to realise when they're lucky. Yeah. And the thing is, you're lucky every single day. It's just that you don't realise it. Yeah, I mean, you seem like a pretty optimistic guy and it's... I guess it's what does it take people to make that mind shift? Um, so because for me, it's it's like talking to someone like yourself, and then getting out of that rut. Like now and again, I get in that run, then you see the big picture and start looking at things more positively. And I think my thing for it was is that there's, there's you've got too many ideas, mm. like too much information. You don't know what to read, so you end up just following the news. Mm. And so my thing was is that we had. Everyone had, re- it's kind of like uh, people say that everyone reads every single book, business book of Richard Branson, everyone, and no mm. one sets up a business and they do the same for meditation. They go through every single philosopher's notes and they still don't practice philosophy and they, mm. or they go through every single meditation or guru and they still feel stressed mm. because they can't stick to just one thing. And if you, you realise that nothing's absolute and that was what I was like, no one has set up a business and all my friends had read Richard Branson, all my friends had read Richard mm. Porter and no one was rich and no one had set up a business. The only thing stopping you was like saying, okay, for one year, at least I said I'd give this 100% for of business. So I said, I'm just going to go 100% for this, nothing else for a year. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. And it ended up, it was globally trying to get rid of disposable cups out of festivals. Yeah. And you succeeded. I think Casey Knight's to eat, he's got a good quote where he says, if you do that, actually commit to something, anything, whether it succeeds or fails, it's a success. It's... Yeah, I could, like, I could be no... making one dollar a year and it's great. And I could be making a million dollars a year; it's still success. Yeah, it doesn't it's... actually matter. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that it's that just we got a cool. we got an idea that something is successful or not successful. Mm. Yeah, I mean the actual experience on the way and what you learn from it could. And so yeah, and so my big thing now has been always how do I uh, right now is how do I strip away all these layers of bullshit that people have told me my whole life mm. that is literally bullshit and. I started testing it when I travelled and I'd say to people, everyone asked, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm unemployed and unemployable. People thought I was an idiot and like wouldn't talk to me because they couldn't resonate with me. Yep. Some people I'd say, I just graduated law and I'd have a law, lay conversation. And then if it was a girl, I'd like, I'd say, I run my own business and I'm a lawyer. Yep. And I've never practiced law and my business could be making a dollar a year. Yep. And they'd still believe me and they'd get, start buying me drinks rather than me buying them drinks. And so everything's just a built up illusion of what you perceive as success and what you don't yeah but everything the only thing successful is whether you feel like doing that adventure or you don't want to do that adventure yeah what uh, do you do you have like a daily routine or purpose or anything that helps keep you on that like you're saying getting rid of the clutter do you have what do you find helps you kind of give that have that clarity so yeah i i it's easy to get knocked down or like 
my thing is that I have to have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Yeah. So physical intelligence in terms of health might be I have to be doing a gym workout and eating a certain way in terms of maximizing my testosterone, maximizing my growth hormone, and totally reducing my stress hormone cortisol. Yeah. So yeah. What's what would be your what's your idea of So I ended up three years ago, one year after I set out Global because I was pretty stressed. So I was yeah. like the stages that I ended up um reading all of John Romanello, who's head of Arnold Schwarzenegger Fitness stuff, and then yeah. I read the rest of Arnold Schwarzenegger's board's work, and then I ended up going to Santa Monica and hiring John Romanello as my physical coach and got all his training routines and everything, the information I needed about uh, physical and eating and whatnot. And his whole thing is, is about hormones rule our bodies or chemicals rule our bodies, and we will rule which chemicals rule our bodies, and so yep. we get to rule how we maximise our hormones. And because we're just a hormonal environment inside the body, we need to try and maximize the ones we want, which totally changes your brain chemistry. Mm. Like when you fall in love, everything else in the world doesn't matter. Or when you're playing like surfing or playing basketball, mm. everything else in the world doesn't matter. And so where do you get into a state where nothing in the world matters essentially but what you want to do? And then you got a testosterone and up into the roof where it's not about being an arsehole, it's about not being a little bitch and doing exactly what you care about. Mm. And then your growth hormones on fire, so you just feel really good and energetic. And then your stress mm. and growth hormones are precursor, uh, the opposite of cortisol. So your cortisol, your stress hormones are down in the dump, or mm. your cortisol is elevated just when you need to be focused. Mm. So that's kind of like that's been a big part of my focus in terms of if you could bottle motivation, you'd be a billionaire, and that kind of is like bottling motivation. Yeah. And what like if there's a few. So if you just took an average person um, that was maybe working out and trying to eat healthy, is there a few things? Because I noticed you don't, you're not eating kind of gluten at the moment. Is there anything that's really kind of, and you've, you're a fit kind of big oh, guy like too? The, is the any- paleo guys had me believing that gluten was bad for a while. Yeah. And I stopped eating gluten. But like I have oat, like um, whole grain oats. After yeah. I realized that, you know, I was probably leaner than I ever was on whole grain oats. And yeah. I had even more energy than I ever did on whole grain oats. And you also fast in the mornings. So yeah, quite I don't. Often. I don't uh, yeah. So I got rid of breakfast and didn't yeah. eat till I don't eat till twelve to two. Yeah. Which maximizes my growth hormone on average by two thousand to ten apparently, and then, <laughs> and then I um, train fasted, which even boosted even more. You train fast twitch. So, so I train fasted. So I'll go to, oh, the, I I'll go to fasted, the gym at eleven, yeah. finish at twelve, eat at twelve thirty. Yeah. Kind of thing, and then. And what's the gym kind of? It changes so uh, you do weights, cardio. Does it matter? You train for anything specific, or no? Just purely tra- training for purely on trying to boost hormones. Yeah, and um, energy. And so I train uh, different trainings, metabolic training. To, if I want to do an insulin reset, I do density training. If I want to boost my testosterone, I do lactic acid trial training. If yeah. I want to do growth hormone, and I kind of mix them up. So, and is there anything in the morning that gets you? I walk every morning for oh, the, 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah. First thing after I wake up, I try and avoid my phone and go for a walk. Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems to be something that's common. With, like, and then I write, I try and write it between 8 to 9 every morning, whatever I can. Oh, for the blog? For my just blog or just, down. just write anyway. Yeah. Try and write a thousand words a day because I know that a thousand words a day works out that you write three novels worth of writing in a year. Did you read the artist? The artist no, way. Is that what it says in the uh, that's that's quite interesting. It's um, even even taking commitment at the start of the book, and it's to write every. I think it's morning as well, or it's at least daily. That yeah. you, if it's three pages, I think, which I don't. I think every great writer in the similar. world. Yeah, every great writer in the world is saying wrote between eight thirty or something, or wrote it like really late at night. Yeah, and that's, he, when, and that's when your cortisol, your stress hormones, at its highest state. Yeah. So if you drink a coffee at that point, you'll raise your cortisol a little bit more and you'll focus and you'll get rid of all your stress by, by running. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that daily ritual too, and in, in, in the book it says you kind of, you're like waiting for inspiration or whatever, the artist blocks kind of a bit of myth, it's just getting work and you get through all the crap. Yeah. And then, then the gems appear just through the process purely. A thousand lousy words is what I aim for. Yeah, and I guess they, or anything, yeah, there's something about this, Chuck Close had a good one, which was like, 
something along the lines of inspirations for fools the rest of us get to work and mm-hmm. whenever I'm kind of like trolling through images or looking for a to catch myself doing it it's like what could you actually just be doing now and then something always appears from that process which is I think yeah I think that's quite cool like you know Steve Jobs used to walk up the hill and so it's the walking up the hill where you got all your ideas yeah is there anything, yeah, I'm quite, I'm always interested in the workout routines too, is there, yeah. so there's anything, like say you do metabolic or high intensity or lactic acid, or does anything that, that you picked up in California from the Arnold's team, which was like, nothing interesting and formal, I mean, did you have a pretty good understanding of anatomy and like what's the correct form for like do you do Olympic lifting or do you just do weights or so rolls? So DC sort of revolves around Olympic lifting, and so like most of the works that workouts will start with a, a de- you know like high, um, like exercise like squats and deadlifts yeah. and uh, whatnot, and then it will go into a metabolic sort of training, which will be like um, fast paced thirty second breaks sort of thing. Is that press ups or? Ru- It'd be press yeah, tw- yeah. press ups or um, and then you finish off with. Um, maybe a little bit of lactic acid and there's always the fat loss finisher which would be like 15 minutes of cardio okay. which would be high intensity one minute sprinting one minute off okay. or one minute uh, 20 minutes seconds sprinting 30 seconds off or yeah. one minute of skipping one minute off or yeah oh, cool that's interesting that's the first maybe person I've spoken to that had hormones as their kind of goal for the workout it's quite funny sometimes <laughs> I think what's the objective of so my thing is, is that What's I just do not like my lizard brain coming on where I go crazy because I'm like, I've, you know, er, you know, every minute of your life is a wasted minute if you don't do it in what you want to do. And then yeah. the lizard brain comes on, it gets stressed and anxious and horny and desperate. Yeah. And all you think about is having a girlfriend or all you think about is that you don't have any money or all you think about is how you could have all this stuff or blah, blah, blah. And I don't like being in that state because I prefer, yeah. I think that that state, you could be planting your one tree like Toby did, mm. whatever it is. And so I try and I try and focus heavily on making sure my um, hormones try and get to the state where you can turn off your lizard brain and yep. do whatever you want. Yeah, I think there's something about the clarity you have after doing exercise or eating yeah, well. Yeah, clarity and being on top of eating. Yeah, that's cool. And so there's anything you focus on eating like fruits and veg and organic meats or any yeah, anything like you focus a... on with your food or... It's usually like yeah, yeah, grass-fed meat. Omega three is a big one. Yeah. In terms of you know, omega three has amazing results on insulin and growth hormone. Yeah. Um. So omega three and eating grass-fed steak and a shit ton of greens and then only having my carbohydrates pretty much at night time or straight a little bit up straight after workout. Yeah. Because I have all my carbohydrates at night time, I get an insulin hit and then I crash and your growth hormone will be even higher during your sleep because you crash after you eat lots of carbs or sugar. So you sleep really well, and then you don't have this insulin up and down all day, which is when your mind goes crazy because you want sugar, and then you run out of sugar, and you desperately want more sugar. So it's like a, the French call it la petite mort, the little death. You're always always seeking little bits of pleasure, and then you die, like an orgasm. Yeah. La petite mort, the uh, idiom for orgasm. Interesting. So carbs before bed. So I eat all my carbs at night, so I have like 200 to 300 grams of carbs at night, which is like six bowls of rice, I think. Okay. And then I won't eat all morning, so you don't. That fuels you through to the. And so you're you're that fuels your muscle growth. Yeah. But like you're um you start getting uh, using your body fat as an energy store. Yeah. So you just entirely rely on your uh, energy, and then you have your carbs, lots of carbs on workout days, and no almost or half the amount of carbs on non-workout days. Yeah. And the carbs goes directly to muscle growth rather than into fat storage. Yeah. Or insulin sugar your insulin that comes or your energy comes from your body fat yeah so you don't have your mind going up and down because when you eat sugar you know that you get a sugar hit and you kind of go energetic and mm-hmm. then you crash and that's when you don't feel good you start yeah. getting anxious desperately and horny yeah no that's that's interesting and I think it's nice to have those I mean I notice with myself that clarity in mind when you take some of the decision making out of it. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have this for breakfast or eat this time of day. You don't have to worry about, I know Zuckerberg wears the same hoodie or what a t-shirt and I've tried to do that with my wardrobe a little oh, bit because yeah, yeah, yeah. the decision good, fatigue yeah. is like, take some of those, yeah, how much yeah, yeah. time you can spend over the most mundane 
True. And, and if you can take, and obviously you've got that in there, yeah, which is quite cool. Yeah, and then I never thought about that one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, then what's the obviously girls is a big distraction as a young guy, and you're saying the lizard brain talks about sex is what it one of the distractors or uh-huh. kind of default <laughs> yeah. options. So what's your so my problem um, now, my uh, problem is that kind of, most guys our age, you know, I never watching American Pie two, and like the girl got her titties out, and you kind of got excited, and that yeah. you know, by that stage I was like around I don't know, fifteen or something. Yeah. And right then the internet started getting broadband and whatnot, and so porn became on demand. And if you go read all the studies about pornography, it's that you get a dopamine hit every time you watch hit pornography and the dopamine is like your happy hormone. It's like when you get the red dot on yeah. Instagram or the red dot on Facebook, you kind of just have to go look at it. And the problem is, is that when you get a dopamine hit, you can get addicted to that dopamine hit, but you want to go on Facebook all the time yeah. just to get more likes or whatever it is. And the, the dopamine hit from pornography is that you'll have 60 tabs of porn open and you'll fast forward in the tabs and then you'll constantly seek better and better and more high quality porn or more, you know, even better looking woman and then you mm. go to the bar to try and court a girl and your brain your subconscious is stuck on the fact that you have 60 tabs of porn at home of an even better looking girl than you will find at the bar and so your brain default is that you can't be bothered courting because you'd prefer to go home mm. and so my whole thing has been how do you train your brain in that instance because your lizard brain net is desperate all the time you know they say mm. guys think about a girl every seven seconds or something Mm. and so it's like how do you train your brain out of that state and then if, avoid all these conditionings that will condition us to a point where we don't uh, we're not happy you'd prefer to have a girl than go to your computer but you're conditioned subconsciously to go to your computer yeah I think it's going to be one of the big issues going forward it's like we'll be the first generation that grew up with x-rated material and tag and what that actually world. does to I remember seeing a little book too which was it was something along the lines of what I'd tell my son now or oh, yeah. whatever it was. And one of them was like, don't masturbate or something. Or something along the lines because then you'll have to go out and do something about it. And whatever that yeah, is, like you'll yeah, yeah. get yourself into some situation. It'll be interesting, but so, it'll be kind of real. And yeah. so most of the, my, pro- my biggest problem is that most people understand this and they'll hear it. Just like a doctor will know that you're not meant to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And all they'll do is keep smoking cigarettes because their lizard brain's so in the state of just smoke cigarettes or just watch the pornography. Yeah. So they'll know that it's bad for them, but they'll take it anyway. Yeah. Because your brain's subconsciously addicted to these things. Yeah. I find... Yes, I mean, I think about sometimes it's giving yourself not creating an environment where it's not so easy. Like, like I love eating good food, but if there's... Like there's a box of roses left, uh, chocolates left over from the other night, and uh, and I avoid dairy all the time, always, yeah, where I can. But just because they're sitting there in the fridge, eventually I'll just go have one, like because yeah, I think yeah, I was yeah. not that big of a deal. I eat good all the rest of the time. Like that's, but, that's the point, and that's why I need a restricted diet. Because like the minute I open a bag of lollies, I've had I'll have three bags of lollies. Yeah, it, like it's just to recognize how those weaknesses in yourself. Yeah. And avoiding temptation. Yeah, and to try and plan around so you don't even have that temptation. Uh-huh. I think, I think it's a tough situation when you're actually. You need to forgive yourself just for being in that situation because it's. You're just human, like it's. It's yeah, hard yeah, not yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's just. That yeah. You have to. If you want to stop, you have to stop. Yeah, it's it's a different type of discipline. I think sometimes we beat ourselves up, but. Often it's You're a lot right, of things outside of our control. It's like just putting, you know, it's if if the phone wasn't there, you wouldn't be using it. Like yeah, so um, like the only way to avoid texting while yeah. driving, even though you know you're going to kill someone, or there's a high chance people kill people while they text and drive, is to put your phone in the boot. Yeah, because then there's no way you can use your phone. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's a really nice way to do, and to maybe have someone that can make you accountable for that, or just um. Make it a routine. The trick is to make yourself accountable, mm. I think. You know, like, if you make it your goal is that I'm always 100% accountable for exactly what I do. Mm. My favourite story is, you know, my favourite thing is is that you a mum gets mad at a little kid for not picking up the rubbish off the ground. Mm. But the only person who cares about every time picking the rubbish off the ground is the mum. 
And so all she has to do is pick the rubbish off the ground and then she won't care. Yeah. But all she wants is the other people to pick the rubbish, the little kid to pick the rubbish off the ground. So it's always you who's in the fault, not the kid. Yeah. So you'll do everything you can in your lizard brain to not do the work to say that it's someone else's fault because all you want to do is be desperate and complain and angry. Yeah. That's your lizard brain. And so you have to go pick up the rubbish yourself. You have to say... I don't want any meetings. I don't know anyone to help me. I don't if this if I'm not happy with this, how do I change it myself? Yeah. Good advice. Um Okay. And that's then with the relationship thing then how do you balance your kind of social life or because one thing that's interested me is that balance of like when I get say you find something like meditation or yoga or whatever it is and you get really into it, but then you realize it's not, it's, it's going to be balanced with everything else you're doing. Um, I guess everyone's different, but I'm quite interested to, you know, what's that balance between you with socializing with your business, with traveling, with, have you found that? My thing is, is it doesn't matter. It's just a story we tell ourselves is that we have to have a balance. And yeah. So if you want a balance, you find the balance, but, just because someone thinks you should have a balance and someone thinks you shouldn't have a balance doesn't mean that, mean that either of them right because you only have your own virtue. So say I wanted to have a balance, then I'd try and work out how what are the five things I need to do to have a balance or whatever it is. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that because I'm balanced, doesn't mean that you have to be balanced. If you want to be an extremist and just do 100% yoga, yeah. just do 100% meditation and make that your life, you'll work out a way of making it 100% your life. Yeah. It doesn't matter that everyone else will tell you that you have to do something else or find a job or find whatever else. Because if, if, if you know what you want and you don't want balance, you'll just do everything you can to make it sure it's not balanced. And the only thing stopping you is your brain from other people saying to you that you need to have a balanced lifestyle. Yeah. Some people aren't balanced, some people aren't. Yeah, <laughs> some people yeah I mean, that definition of... Uh, it's funny, Duncan, the guy I trained uh, a yoga under, he got asked by Nike to do a goal-setting talk for yeah. Nike woman, and he said his talk was, I don't set goals, I just live by virtues, cause, yeah. or values, because his, his values would be compromised if the goal's the, the end or everything. Um, yeah. And they were like, yeah, but you know, what about your goal-setting? And he's like, no, that's... <laughs> there is no goal-setting. It's, it's the values in it, and... That's interesting, like just breaking those norms of even what you have to. What balance everything you say people. to yourself, I think you always have to say, "Why am I saying Question. this to myself?" Yeah. Like, uh, uh, do I actually want to be balanced, or because yeah. I don't have to be? It's just that everyone else in the world said I had to be. Yeah. Like, if you want to be a streamer, you can. But is it really where you want to be? That's the question. Yeah, for me, I mean, for me as as a young guy, like a yang, I oh, sorry, yin yoga practice when I was doing a lot of that, and I was talking to Duncan about it of. Like you so say, the chemical thing of actually being outside and exercising and socializing and being like those masculine elements, mm -hmm. when I lost those mentally, I lost something as well. Um, mm -hmm. That sharpness of thought and that motivation and stuff, it was like, it was more as an observation that that was tied in and I needed to bring, and, and he was the same with diet as well, I actually think maybe at that stage having a bit of fish and... and and doing some really hard exercise and like getting out then having a beer afterwards and stuff was actually mm -hmm. got me in a much better space to actually meditate and do do those things. So mm -hmm. and be in tune with yeah, what works for you is quite Yeah, yeah. Quite like some people it might it's, it's like veganism and paleo promote the exact same health benefits and they're exactly opposing diets. One is meat and one is no meat. But they promote the yeah, same everyone's same trying to get to the same. The they same. both promote the exact same things yeah. in terms of weight loss, energy, and lifestyle, yeah. and everything, and yet they're totally opposing diets. And so, it's whatever works for you. Sometimes veganism might work for you. Some yeah. people paleo might work for you. Just because one person said it's bad and another person said it wasn't doesn't make a difference. It's all only that whether you think it is good. Yeah. Or bad. It all comes down to your own self. Yeah, and the ha the happiness is the end goal for. Yeah, nothing's absolute. So you might be a vegan for you, you might be paleo for you. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you were both. The only thing that matters is that you think that it matters. Yeah. Right. And that's, this is just bullshit layers. Like when you're five years old, you were an artist and you didn't care if your art was good or bad. And at seven, you're a poet and you didn't care that your poem was good or bad. You didn't know there was such thing as a good poem or a bad poem. It wasn't until you got to high school that everyone said, oh, that poem's shit and that poem's bad. 
Because when you were five and seven, the teacher's like, oh, that's a nice piece of art, and they've put all the art on the wall. Mm. And then when you're a teenager, you had your lemonade stand, you're an entrepreneur. And, it and then if you go to a 20-year-old and say, can you sell for lemonade stand? They say, I don't have a qualification. No one's going to buy my lemonade. I don't know how to make lemonade. And there's no money in lemonade. And you don't know any of those things. The 10-year-old just did lemonade because he felt like doing lemonade at that day. And there's yeah. no such thing as failing. I think I remember a classic on brother Even if two people came and bought my lemonade, they'd probably be happy that two people bought their lemonade. Yeah. And you forgot about it the next day. And so you have to just keep go trying. And that's the that's the state of mind that I seek. Is like, how do I get in the state of mind of there is no such thing as there's no no reality. Yeah, nothing's real. You can just do whatever you feel like doing today. Yeah, it's an interesting. That yeah, reminded me of my brother when uh, he was selling sand on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Or but you know, in a beach town, and he was made, actually made a whole lot of money. Well, in America, they do sell sand as a. So like all the people in San Francisco, you can buy a sand in a box. Because okay. I guess some kids have never played with sand. And yeah. you think, you know, you bought off in San Fran, you never left San Fran, you never seen sand yeah. or played with sand. Yeah. So you can buy sand in a box and play with sand and you pay 40 bucks or something for it. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not. It's, uh, it's interesting questioning those norms though. So what's the, you've done Globlet now and it's kind of allowed you to travel and so yeah, I get a passive income off Globlet and I get a passive income off some investments I made when I was really, really young. Yeah. And then I also do other random projects along the way that give me money. And then I try and do a lot of how sort of whooping, sort of yeah. couch things sort of stuff. And my big thing now is that I, yeah, I uh, set up a property fund that builds sustainable agriculture so you can invest in sustainable agriculture and have and invest in new age products, be it hemp and Rebecca honey and yeah. high value goods. Yeah, I think that's quite an interesting interesting space. But um yeah, pretty exciting one and, and the kind of the shared ownership thing and, and sharing it with people and mm-hmm. pulling resources and kind of questioning the traditional model of how you get into buying property or whatever it is um Mm -hmm. yeah is that so that's the main goal at the moment and you've got the health component you're and my other main goal is to try and get rid of disposable cups through every single single use goods uh, cups throughout the whole of society yeah and so be it festivals be it stadiums be it coffee yeah by building systems and ideas and value in it so people get value but also reduce their waste Mm. We've been set on, we've been sold on this idea of a throwaway society. Every as long as we buy a bio cup, it uses the exact same energy as making a reusable cup. It's okay, and so we all set on this throwaway society where we'll just buy all this bio goods, which needs the right uh, environment to even break it down, and then or we get sold on this idea that you know of of a keep cup, and then we end up not using it and it gets thrown away. And so my goal is to try and build a structure in there that totally eliminates that waste. So a cafe uses, you know, fifty maybe uh, milk bottles a day when you only needed one big milk vat. But mm. they had to only buy two liter milk bottles. That's all that you yeah. can buy it in. And so how do you start eliminating waste streams and put in an actual reusable society that totally dismediates that whole idea and people to throw away goods. Which uses the same embedded energy to make a reusable gun. Mm. Yeah, it's funny how there's these systems, these kind of constraints you just operate in, and then to question those. And mm. yeah, coffee. Yeah, there's just no alternatives there sometimes. There's, there's no, no alternative yeah, to a two liter milk bottle or a disposable coffee cup at the yeah. moment or a keep cup that costs 12 bucks. So it's like, how do we. Uh, change that game there, the, there's shit terms of time, uh, like I've got so many ideas on markets another market is is that uh, distribution there's no way to distribute across or uh, boutique health food shops there's no fridges in the dairies or supermarkets or uh, uh, in the petrol stations that focus just on a boutique health goods mm-hmm. when you can collaborate those brands another huge market is student debt there's shit tons of kids who have student debt mm-hmm. they have no way of paying it off um, there's a shit ton of even extremely wealthy kids who have a lot of money and they don't know how to invest their money mm-hmm. and I've got from Family Trust 
how do you make a passive investment for them? Yeah, I guess it comes back to that. There is lots of opportunities out there, but it's it's just finding one to focus on. Uh-huh. And um, for us, a very effective amount of time. And yeah, and there's no such thing as failure. You to try it or you didn't. Yeah, and the minimum you need to survive is rice and beans, which cost you less than a dollar every two days in New Zealand, probably. Yeah, and so if you can build your life around just rice and beans, and you, if you went woofing and stayed at a healthy X place and just worked four hours a day you still got 20 hours a day to sleep and do whatever else you can to change the world. And all you needed to survive was rice and beans or the workplace four hours a day. No excuses. <laughs> essentially, yeah, the only thing you got is that the stories you tell yourself that you need a certain type of lifestyle to survive. Yeah. And then you can do anything you want. But the thing is that, you know, Henry Ford said, I will pay you five bucks an hour rather than five cents a day. And in exchange, I'll give you a mortgage for a home, I'll give you health insurance, and I'll give you a car. But more importantly, he said to everyone, you never have to think, you just have to show up between nine and five, and everyone swapped that whole life of never having to think for a life that they all said they wanted. So people will say that they want to go do all these things, or they want to go change the world, or they want to do this business and whatnot. And the only the marginal amount you need is the rice and beans or living on the fat of the land somewhere. But I said, no one actually really wants to do that. They just don't want to think. They want to go swap their time nine to five and sit in an office and say goodbye sunlight. Mm. When you could be working in the sun and doing your business at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Human condition's interesting. But you'll think you're failing. So you'll think from your last 10 years, from 10 to 20, when you went to school... You'll think you're failing because all your friends are doing something different. Because all your friends are sitting in Auckland making $50,000 a year and giving it, most of it to the mortgage and food industry. You'll think that you're failing. Yeah. And so you avoid everything possible just to do what they're doing because you think that that's maybe closer to being on the way to where you want to be when you can do anything you want and you need a very marginal amount to do it. Yeah, it's tough to get that across though because obviously we've been through it both. You have to then, you have to remove layers, and the only way to do it is probably to go to India, and say for this whole year I'm going to survive in India or on nothing, mm. or I'm going to go to Thailand and I'm going to survive this year. And you'll probably work out a way of surviving, and you realise mm. that the very minimal you need to survive is this dollar a day, mm. and you could probably do it for only two hours of work a day, mm. whatever it is, and you still got a whole lot of time where you can read the books that teaches you stuff, or you can set mm. up the project that you said you always dreamed of doing. Yeah, I think that... And so... Shana and I were talking about how can you give that experience of travel to people who, who might not get a chance to travel, and it's it gives you, it helps give you that, give you that mindset I think that you are so fortunate and, gra- and grateful here, and the gratitude practice is something I try and do, and I know a lot of people do to get yourself in that state of mind. It's easy just to get complain about all the things you do have and just forget that yeah you're already living in the most yeah. remarkable time ever you know it's oh, not no, like it's i went to rob car who's the chairman of the reserve bank the other day and he said that you if you want to live in poverty you can buy a ticket to africa and so you like most people say that we've got all this shit wrong i don't like all this stuff but they won't come up with a solution to change it they'd prefer to complain about it when they could probably go to africa and they don't have to buy any type of cup they don't have to buy packaged goods they don't have to you know work all day because they can go from scratch but most people won't buy the flight to africa Mm. most people won't go live on the rice and beans i'd prefer to complain how they don't have time and they don't have money then go live with maximum time Mm. and with food and with accommodation and it costs them next nothing so they'd prefer to complain instead of doing that Or based on the idea that they're probably failing, they may be becoming a hippie, or they may be becoming, um, they may be wasting their life when they could have been sitting in the office nine to five, five days a week. Mm. Yeah, I think it does come back to some of that frame of mind, the health and the exercise to actually give you, you know, if you're yeah, in that job, you're eating terrible, you've got, you got kids and mortgage, like all those things are just a burden on you, plus you're not, you're not physically and mentally well, it's, yeah, if you're not oh, physically, mentally sound, it's uh, very challenging. Yeah, so I one of my big things is that I ha- I literally avoid everyone who will make me not feel good. 
Yeah. And so, like, even if my if my dad doesn't make me feel good, I'll end up not talking to him for two weeks, and yeah. then dad won't even want to say nice things to me because he misses me. Yeah. And then if if the person I'm living with is making me not feel good or is negative, I just won't stop. I'll stop speaking to them. Yeah. If a girl gets clingy and starts annoying me, I'll end up blocking her number and stop talking to her. Yeah. And so my whole thing is, how do I avoid all the things that end up making because your brain's so subconsciously negative i could say god you're fat doug and you'll naturally feel like shit doesn't matter if you're fat or not mm. just yet you're conditioned from that word fat and me saying that your name were fat to feel like shit and so you're hyper naturally subconsciously conditioned to feel certain things just from people saying certain things and the stories you tell yourself could be certain things as well mm. so you have to avoid everything that does it and only find things that bring it up and then you um, have to be mentally sound. You have to be, every time you're a kid, you're just making shit all day. You're playing with bricks and building something. You're in the sand for making something. You're playing and trying to do something and challenging yourself. And so how do you start to do some small marginal act that challenges your brain that makes you tired every day? Might be, what are 10 ways bananas are going to be extinct tomorrow? And that's a question you can't Google, so you have to try and think about it. What was that question again? The bananas? 10, ten ways bananas will become extinct tomorrow. Yeah. And so you, you end up going for a list. The stock price of Dow might crash mm. tomorrow, and Dow can't supply bananas to the rest of the world. Maybe uh, all the ships get raided by the um, mafias, and next thing you can't get bananas tomorrow. Maybe banana slipping on a banana split is like death penalty or something. Yeah, know? exactly. And so no one wants to buy bananas. <laughs> no one wants to take that risk. See? And so I didn't even <laughs> thought about that idea, but it's still an idea. And most people won't come up with the 10 ideas because they'd think that the one you just said is failing because that's a stupid idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick, Nick Worthington, our old ECD at Cleanser, he had one of his bits of advice was 100 boxes when you're trying to crack a brief, it was 100 boxes. And you never judge an idea, you never judge your own ideas. I yeah, think yeah. that's one thing that's hard to get out of, like defining whether it's good or bad. Because there's no such thing as bad. Yeah, exactly, it's subjective. And so you just fill the boxes one to a hundred, um, ten by ten square, and just write anything and everything in there, and then yeah. judge it later, like and and with someone else too. Yeah. But um, it's yeah. If you're judging while you're doing the work, it's you've you've avoided a path. You could, like my, if I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna go put these reusable eco cups that I make in Christchurch into. Some festivals, and I think they'll all buy them and they'll reduce all their waste. Dad would say, that's a waste of time. Yeah. Or if I, <laughs> it's a waste of time. <laughs> Use the pun there, yeah. You know, and so, and so, the, yeah, it is a pun there. Is that, like, if I went to someone and said, if I went to the ice house, the Starlark Incubation, and said, I want to go make this new type of plastic cup that I make in Christchurch, that will totally eliminate the race at these festivals and it's better than disposable cups, I'd say, or... I don't think anyone would buy it and there's no money in that and there's mm. no this and blah, blah, blah. And so you never even go do it, even though it might have been something you really wanted to do at that time. And so there is no bad idea. There's no, no one knows what is right. You just have to go mm. try and do it. And what, if, what, even if I made a dollar a year, I made a million dollars a year, none of them fail it because you still just did what you wanted. Yeah. And when you die, that's all that you care about. It wasn't that you made a million dollars or a dollar. It was that you did what you wanted. Do what you want. Yeah. End it there. Oh, yeah. That's good. We're going to get so. back onto the road, but um, yep. I think that's a good uh, good place to be. Maybe like one small step, whatever it is, but you're doing something towards that. Love what you want every day. Yeah. That's what it. What you truly it's, want, taking some time. Yeah, and live life, do one little step. Might be going to the gym. The gym's going to be in there for me this afternoon and. Uh, Beach as well, but well, that's good. Appreciate you doing awesome work. The, awesome. the Tony Robbins of my uh, friend groups. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, thanks. Right, cheers, Dave. Cheers, Ryan. an unconventional life um hope you dug it it was uh it's always great to catch up with ryan and he's actually been hounding me to get this one out for him which is cool because he's uh he is a man of action so um 
yeah, make sure you follow him at uh, his blog is Valley Road. Um, I'll get the exact address. Um, you will find him Valley Road. I'll put it in the the show notes as well. Um, and you can check out Globlet as well. He's got a new site for that, which is pretty pretty slick. So if you got any uh, festivals or events coming up um, and you need some eco cups, make sure you check them out. And yeah, I, I guess the one thing that I really took out of that was the planning, just taking a step back to plan. If you actually want something, you look at it and put those steps in place. It's actually not that difficult. Um, it's just that consistent practice so get chemically optimized hit the gym plan for what you want to do um if that means quitting your job then uh <laughs> great but uh, i guess we're not liable to anything well hopefully not but um and uh yeah do what you love to do no excuses eat those cans of baked beans live off a dollar a day um, it's it's always there if you particularly if you come from New Zealand there's so much opportunity here so you know, sometimes we forget you don't need a lot to do everything you want to do um, you don't need a lot to be happy either so if there's food on the table there's time in the day uh, there's endless possibilities and again if you dug the podcast um, comments reviews shares uh, the ultimate that's the ultimate love for me right now share the love <laughs> share the podcast if you're if you're into it comments on Facebook, um, any comments on iTunes, reviews on iTunes would be awesome too. So, And uh, yeah, appreciate the feedback and that there's people that want to listen to this. It's, uh, it's like when I attempt to teach yoga as well, people take time out of their day so to be there and I um, and, uh, can't ask for anything more than that. So lots of love, have a fabulous weekday wherever you are and um, look forward to hearing about... Uh, that life, that dream life you're living. Uh, And uh, till then, think less, experience more. Adios.